We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking week 13 game level similarity projections review with Dave Cabin. Which players should be in your lineups and which players are sure to disappoint? We've got it covered on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick. I'm joined by Dave Cabin. It is the Week 13 Projection Show, the show where Dave... Uh, takes us for a little stroll through the GLSP. That's Game Level Similarity Projections Review. Uh, one of the tools that that uses 50-game uh, sample size of certain players versus certain types of defenses and lets us know what low-end, median, and high-end outcomes might look like uh, for those players in a given week. Really useful tool. If you haven't used that one before, on rotaviz.com. Useful tool for start-sit dilemmas. Um, and even uh, some early work on on waiver wire uh, targets each week. We're pretty late into the season, so things are really normalizing. Uh, that's where I find Dave's article so valuable, and you can check that out. It's on the front page right now. Um, he adds a little bit of the context. Now, you're going to get that in audible form in this episode, uh, but if you want to go back, didn't feel like taking notes, it's up there on the site for your reading pleasure. Dave, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Curtis. Um, we got to say happy birthday to you. We're a day late yeah. now. Understand yesterday was the big 39, so that's exciting. Uh, yeah, man. 39 has never looked or felt this good. I will just tell. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I genuinely, genuinely uh, uh, believe that. That's how I approach my life. But um, yeah, it was great, man. Uh, wife took me and the kids to dinner with a, a couple you know, close family members, and uh, it was nice to to celebrate, I actually also took uh, my oldest son and my nephew out of school in the afternoon, and uh, we watched Team USA. That's pretty awesome. Uh, advance in the World Cup. So I, you know, I, I think I got some uh, legendary dad slash uncle points uh, for that. So that, <laughs> that's always good too. It fill, fills your cup up, man, to make the kids feel good. Yeah, for sure. All right, sir, I'm gonna hit that sound effect, and we can get into it. Well, as always, Dave, we'll kick it off at the quarterback position. There have been some pretty interesting later season developments. I know we'll talk about at least one of these names uh, in your breakdown. But, man, you know, Matt Ryan started and then he was benched and then now he's starting again. We've got 
quarterback turmoil and uh, the New York Jets locker room. Uh, pretty, you know, pretty interesting stuff uh, to look at. We've even got uh, the Bears in a little bit of a quarterback carousel waiting to figure out what's going on with with Justin Fields and, you know, who will start. Uh, not that it even necessarily matters other than knowing if you should target the Bears offense with a DST. Um, but Dave, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo leads off your article. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, and Garoppolo is a player that I've used a couple of times this season. The GLSP has liked. It's worked out pretty well so far. And this looks like it might be his best opportunity of the season to put up a big day. In fact, his average of 20.6 points ranks the fourth highest of all quarterbacks this week in his 75th percentile projection of 25.9 points is pretty darn good. Also has a 25th percentile projection of 15.7 points. So if you are looking for a streaming option this week, Garoppolo is by and large the best option. Now, San Francisco is playing Miami as a result of that. We see Garoppolo projected with 2.3 passing touchdowns. That might not feel like a lot, but given that these are average stat lines producing these, that is a significantly high number and one of the highest projected GLSP averages we've seen all season. He's also expected to put up 293 yards in in a pretty astounding fashion here, Curtis. I got to make sure I'm doing my math right. Yes, yeah, 60% of his matches went over 20 points. So it looks like this is going to be a good day for Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, a home favorite against a team that can put up, you know, tons of points. Now, I, I should note that Jimmy Garoppolo's splits uh, from our game splits app over the past two seasons, he's been far more effective for fantasy purposes on the road versus home, about four points per game uh, better uh, on the road versus home. And then also, if you take a look you know, when they're at least four point favorites, which they are uh, this weekend, that's where you get things to tilt back uh, in his favor. You know, Jimmy G, um, you know, typically doing what, you know, Vegas would expect when the Niners are are, are favorites and, uh, you know, propping up some of those higher touchdown outputs, about three points better per game across 25 games in the last two seasons when San Francisco is at least a four point favorite, which they are uh, this week exactly. Uh, four-point favorite. So like the Jimmy G call, I actually did see him available across um, various formats. I saw him available in FFPC, on Yahoo, and at uh, in my one ESPN league as well. So definitely out there as a streamer, may not have been picked up you know, in the fab or, or waivers process. You could potentially add him later in the week if you're looking for that streamer. Getting down a little bit further down the list, Dave, uh, I was talking about Mount, Matt Ryan and the lead-in, and you've highlighted him here as well. Yeah, now Matt Ryan, I think, is going to be a hard player for people to convince themselves to play coming off of a weaker Monday night performance, a lot of turmoil, odd kind of environment there in Indianapolis. Of course, we did see the week prior he was a QB1. Stepping into a matchup with the Cowboys, he is expected to put up around 18 points in an average game that actually gets him in fringe QB one territory. When you compare him to the rest of the field this week, one thing that I do want to note though, is his projection calls for just 1.6 passing touchdowns. As a result of that, you do see his upside 
pretty capped. Only 12% of his matches went over 25, but it's interesting that we see just 14% of his matches going underneath 10 and then things actually climbing up in his distribution uh, with 20% going between 10 to 15 to 30% going between 20 to 25 uh, and as I'm sure you've likely seen, Curtis, when you look in the Stat Explorer recent games for the Cowboys, <laughs> it's kind of a mixed bag. So it's almost like yeah. you could look at it and try to yeah. run with this in a positive direction and look at it, view it as a negative when you consider some of the names in there and who Matt Ryan is. But really, when I looked at available streaming options, players rostered in less than 50% of ESPN leagues. There weren't a lot of options this week. And as a result, Matt Ryan's one of the names worth mentioning. Yeah, it's tough. It, you know, he, he is a, a pretty tough start. I think, For sure. you know, super flex, um, you know, it's a better, better conversation there. But I mean, when you look at Dallas, the only quarterbacks in the last five weeks who have had any, level of success, you know, scoring, you know, more than 20 PPR in a game, did it on touchdown efficiency or, or via, you know, right. rushing um, production, you know, five weeks ago, Jared Goff, a very Goffian line of 228 passing yards and no touchdowns with two interceptions. Uh, Justin, Justin Fields, just 151 passing yards. Of course, you know, he, he had 60 on the ground with the rushing touchdown. So that, you know, helped him be very productive that week. Aaron Rodgers only 224 passing yards. He did have three touchdowns, which helped, Kirk Cousins in the um, <laughs> hellish landscape of a what matchup a game that, uh, that was. occurred. That was just so nuts, man. He had 105 passing yards, no touchdowns, just five fantasy points in that game. Mm -hmm. And then Daniel Jones, a very uh, DJ-like line of 228 uh, with one passing touchdown and just 14 yards on the ground. So, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, if I, if I was going to pick you know, the, the cohort that Matt Ryan more closely resembles in this matchup, it would definitely be the Jared Goff and Daniel Joneses of the world. So I think he's probably a low floor, low ceiling option, but we do know that he's going to start. He doesn't appear to be injured. And there's always that, you know, crazy situation where Dallas just gets up so big that, you know, he puts up the garbage time numbers. And, you know, at that point, it just doesn't really, you know, matter how great a defense has been uh, if they take the, you know, if they, if they take the edge off in the fourth quarter. So um, I think it's fair that the, you know, the GLSP machines calling him out. I think both of us do not necessarily like the context of the specific matchup. Yeah. I would not feel very <laughs> warm and fuzzy trotting Matt Ryan out there. Uh, I mean, I guess the one thing you yeah. could fall back on if you're forced to is 54% of his matches did go between uh, let me just quickly look at this here between 15 to 25 points. So, you know, that's something there still, I'd be more interested in trotting out Daniel Jones as an option behind Jimmy Garoppolo, where I'm not able to secure him behind there. You have the typical players you might be thinking of. You're talking guys like Taylor Heineke. Yeah. That's the one I was going to mention. Actually. I, I think Heineke also probably has a pretty cap ceiling, but I just, I would like his floor better in that, um, divisional matchup against the Giants. I, I like, I mean, I like Heineke's chances of 18 points better than Matt Ryan's. Sure. And then if, if fields can't play, uh, I think it might just be interesting to take a quick look at what's expected for Trevor Simeon. I uh, expected to put up 254 passing yards with 1.9 passing touchdowns, which is actually fairly solid. Um, definitely a cap ceiling, but we do see 38% of his matches going between 
15 and 20. You had mentioned the idea of taking a defense and streaming against them. Even though this might be a slightly better GLSP than somebody would expect for Simeon, I still think that that would be, you know, on the table. <laughs> uh, yes, you're always allowed to start a defense against Trevor Simeon. You know, a, a guy that um, there's not a lot of uh, data on, but, you know, if you just look at the situation in the NFL Stat Explorer, you know, Mike White, man. Yes. Uh, that that would yep. really be the one uh, of anybody that we've talked about, even more so than Garoppolo, I think. Um you know, it, let's, let's say you're, you're on that wild card line. You're really just looking for that potential upside game. I mean, the Vikings have been very beatable uh, through the passing attack over the past five weeks and really for the, the majority of the season, but four out of the past five weeks, they've allowed at least 23 PPR to opposing QBs. Yes, they did face Josh Allen and Kyler Murray during that stretch, but they also allowed Mac Jones uh even uh, last week to put up 27 PPR. So it's not just, you know, the rushing quarterbacks that are getting it done against the Vikes. I would, you know, if I'm a, a heavy dog or, you know, trailing in the points race, those types of things, I mean, white would be my target. Yep. That is perfectly fair. I think that uh, we've seen some good things from white in the past and, you know, what you outlined there is definitely something to keep in mind. That kind of takes me through all the notes that I had on quarterback, though. So I think we can transition into the backs unless you had any parting words on quarterback. No, man, let's hit some flex plays. Nice. So if you look at running backs this week, you're going to see the typical names that you would uh, in the highest spots. However, though, our good friend Tony Pollard now really creeping up, comes up as the second name on the list. But I think at this point, if Tony Pollard's on your roster, he's locked and loaded no matter what. I did see yeah. some eyebrow raising though from you, Curtis, there. I'm not sure if you had something you wanted to interject. No, not about Pollard. I mean, I was looking at some of the other guys <laughs> on your list, and I was like, man, I just don't know about this guy. So I'm, I'm doing a little deep research um, as you run through your okay. some of the top plays here. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, it is <laughs> exciting to see uh, Kenneth Walker scoring pretty highly in here around guys like Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor. Just notable that Taylor is back now into the front page here, given the last couple of weeks. When we start to get into players that might be a little bit more surprising, Kenyon Drake has an average PPR of 12.3 points. Uh, the one thing that kind of muddies the waters here, though, is to know what's going to happen in the Baltimore backfield. Um, so I think that's a situation you're going to want to monitor as the week progresses. <sighs> Gus Edwards yeah. isn't too far behind. So if you could get some clarity over who's expected to have some type of a role, you could know, you know, that this is a game where we are at least expecting some action from the backfield. Yeah, the Ravens backfield was the one that uh, had caught my eye. And I mean, I started Kenyon Drake on one squad last week, Dave. And I, I don't know if you started him anywhere um, or if you're familiar with his work from week 12. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, he had two rushing attempts for, for two rushing yards. And that was, that was his whole line. Um, absolutely brutal, brutal 0 0.02 fantasy points. Um, from, from Kenny and Drake, uh, pr pretty difficult. So yeah, I mean, it'd be great to know what's going on, you know, between him and Gus bus. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're at a, at a point where role consolidation is necessary to feel good about trotting either one of them out. I was looking at that matchup against Denver, you know, Baltimore's heavily favored, uh, eight point home favorites, uh, to be clear. 
you know, and it's been a bit, a bit of a mixed bag against them. And it's taken a little bit of receiving really to unlock the ceiling against the Ravens, you know, even uh, a bona fide, you know, ground it and pound it guy, Derek Henry, just 8.7 PPR was held out of the end zone, 19 carries for 53 yards against that Ravens front. Um, Deontay Foreman fared slightly better, uh, still, you know, barely four yards a carry, but did not find the end zone on the ground. The, the backs that, you know, had some success, you know, ETN and Jacobs in the past five weeks, you know, added three plus receptions and were able to find the the end zone in ETN's case. So I think that's what you're really looking for here. And unfortunately, the Ravens aren't probably going to use Drake or Edwards in that capacity. So you're basically praying that uh, the guy that you start is the one that gets the short rushing touchdown. It was Edwards last week. Right. And that's one of the things that made considering this backfield difficult this week um, as I was searching for players that made sense to highlight because you don't feel great calling out either one of them right now. Uh, Joe Mixon was limited in practice, but I think that Samaj P. Ryan managers might want to quickly know what they could expect. Given what we've seen the last couple of weeks, we do see him getting into the yeah. top 30. He's actually running back 28. His projection against the Chiefs uh, produces an average stat line of just 28 yards rushing. Uh, 10% of his matches scored a rushing touchdown. But he does also see around three receptions, 22 yards as a receiver. Gets him to an average PPR of nine points. So very limited ceiling. Very few matches going beyond 15. But I could see something or a situation for some teams, especially if there's word that Joe Mixon, you know, might be on some type of a snap count or something where P. Ryan could make some sense to insert into your lineup. Yeah, some backs that are also, you know, have roles, you know, changing and people might just be looking for some clarification on. I mean, Rashad White had nine receptions last week. Um, it, I, I'm not sure exactly what to expect with Leonard Fournette right. this week yet, Dave. Um, I think that's another situation, you know, to potentially monitor. Um, but, you know, I think White, he's kind of like in that Pollard category now where it's like his workload might be uncertain. He could be the lead back this week. He maybe won't be the lead back this week, but a nine reception game from Brady, you know, in a situation where the bucks, you know, they have to start stacking up the wins. The NFC South is still highly winnable. Um, the, the down the field passing attack has looked a little bit questionable. You know, he hasn't had a lot of games where he's been, you know, on target both with Godwin and, and Evan. So maybe, you know, focusing some of that check down game as he's done with James White, you know, in the past and Rex Burkhead in the past, you know, maybe White has earned that confidence. I think he's a player you could potentially ride from here on out. I'm starting him where I've got him, um, you know, despite what any tools or, you know, uh, you know, fantasy site projections might say. This is just one where you have to kind of read the tea leaves, I think. Sure. Some other names that I looked at this week, um, both Dolphins backs look like they would be good for lineups. You have a higher average projection for Wilson. Uh, now, Mostert, of course, it's um, unclear exactly what his health is going to look like heading into the game, but he actually has a higher 75th percentile projection than Wilson. We have um, Mostert's 75th percentile at 163 Wilson's at 14.4 average projection for Wilson of 10.7 uh, Raheem Mostert 
is, oh, sorry, actually, Raheem Mostert's at 12.2, so it likes him a little bit better in both of those scenarios. But I think given what we've seen, the fact that Mostert's been out, you're probably feeling better about Jeff Wilson. Uh, but that is a backfield worth paying attention to. Another one that is interesting. Uh, is just we, a, just oh, a yep. comment there. Yep. You know, I mean, Mostert, I think uh, Mostert, he's saying he's totally ready to go. Uh, he does offer that home run element a little bit different uh, than than Wilson. And Wilson did leave last week's game with an injury. So, it's you know, I know that he has kind of taken over as yep. the clear lead in the committee. But um, I wouldn't be opposed to starting to starting Mostert. I mean, I think that game, that Dolphins 49ers game, man, it's just going to really be so interesting with both teams kind of trying to feature the same rushing attack against one, yep. one another. I would think that the defense, uh, the defensive coordinators would know how to game plan, which, you know, which uh, stunts to run, which uh, gaps to close off and, and how to attack um, those offenses and force them to throw. But the, the problem is, is I don't know that you really want to force either one of those offenses to throw the ball so maybe maybe the rushing attacks are where it goes i mean vegas actually has it maybe lower scoring than you would expect you know the game total uh being under 50 actually with these two teams considering what they bring to the table kind of surprising to me actually so right. um maybe there's something to that and i i would say that you know most it's definitely flex worthy great well that that's good to hear um if there's another backfield that's probably worth exploring for a minute here, I want to talk about the Falcons. So you have Patterson and Algier both getting into the top 30. Uh, with Patterson, you actually have 60% of his comps finding the end zone via rushing against the Steelers. He also adds 52 yards. Uh, the GLSP has him at just one and a half receptions for nine yards uh, given what his matches did so he has a decent distribution but I just kind of wanted to also point out that Tyler Algier uh, actually is not too far behind does have a significantly limited ceiling as we see nearly 70% of his matches going um, under 10 points but you still have Algier with an average of 8.9, 47 yards as a rusher, and 30% of his matches found the end zone. Now, when I look at the GLSP projections this week for running back, there's just really not a ton there, which makes a guy like Algier a possibility, yeah. given that Patterson is in line or could have... Well, let me say it differently. Just given the potential that you see for Patterson to get in the end zone via rushing, given his comps playing defenses like Pittsburgh, and that you see that 30% rate for Algier, you know, maybe that gives you some hope that he has a better chance of finding the end zone than other options, in, you know, in a similar range. Yeah. I mean, this is a, it's a different situation for sure, because he's not a bell cow like Mixon mm -hmm. is. But, you know, we talked a couple of weeks before Mixon's explosion game about, you know, how he'd been, you know, unlucky or inefficient or, you know, whichever term you want to pick. I mean, the, the point is, uh, you know, he was kind of due. And yeah. Tyler Algier has 121 rushing attempts this year, just one rushing touchdown. I mean, he's probably going to have a correction game. Um, you know, it could happen any week, but I, I fully expect before the end of the year that we're going to see a moldy rushing touchdown game from Tyler Algier. So, um, you know, at... Like you're not going to start him with confidence. 
but I, I do think pretty much the rest of the way, um, you know, I'm not, it's not like a law of the universe, obviously, but, um, one would think with as many rushing attempts as he's had that, you know, he'll, he'll end the year up much closer to the league, you know, average, uh, rushing TD rate, um, than he currently is. So, right. You know, I don't think he's probably going to have a four rushing touchdown game because the Falcons suck, but I could (laughs) definitely see, I could definitely see him having, uh, you know, a, a two touchdown, uh, rushing game. And, you know, those who are forced to start him could actually be rewarded with a nice output. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sure. So on the other side of the fence, some players coming in with lower than average uh, GLSPs. You have Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, both around eight and a half points. Paints kind of a bleak picture for them. Miles Sanders isn't also in that range. But the name I wanted to call out, Curtis, and I actually included him in the article, is Latavius Murray. And that's because at this point, we are seeing Latavius Murray average more than 11 points Per game, the GLSP this week has him coming in with an average of just 8.5. But when you start to dig in, you can see how this week is probably not the best week to use him as that player in your flex. Expected to get 10 carries for just 40 yards. 30% of his matches did find the end zone, but he has a 25th percentile projection of just 3.8, 75th percentile projection of 13, 50th percentile of 6.7. And you see almost 70% of his matches uh, getting held under 10 points with actually 37% going under five doesn't look like it's going to be the greatest week for you to use Murray and hope that you get the type of return that you've seen other weeks. Yeah. Over the past five weeks, the Ravens uh, are second best uh, against the run in rushing yards per game, averaging uh, allowing just 48.2 rushing yards to running backs. 
um, over that stretch. I mean, it's pretty brutal, man. So that, that 10 for 40 line sounds about dead on. Um, I'll also note they haven't allowed a rushing touchdown to a running back in the last three games. They did allow a receiving touchdown to Jamichael hasty, uh, last week in his, uh, uh, mop up slash fill in duty for Travis Etienne in that game against the, the Jags. But I mean, you know, Nick Chubb, uh, is really the only back to have any success against them in the past five weeks. And that includes games where they did face Leonard Fournette and Alvin Kamara in that stretch. Yeah. Um, a couple other names here that uh, I will mention quickly before we close out. So, actually, uh, th- there's Do two. Do you think th- Latavius Murray attended Russell Wilson's birthday? I think that's what. <laughs> that, you know, if we knew that, you know, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe Russ hands Murray the ball on the two instead of pulling that RPO back in. You know, <laughs> we'll have to see. <laughs> so, uh, Tevin Coleman actually reemerges into conversation here, given some Gosh, of the man. issues in the backfield for San Francisco. So, naturally, you had a very nice projection for Christian McCaffrey, uh, Eli Mitchell. His projection, or I should say his GLSP, put him at around 8.3 points. And Tevin Coleman's average actually got him to 7.7. So if we had a situation where it was looking like San Francisco was actually going to rely on Coleman, the way that some of these news news blurbs coming out have led you to believe it could be a decent game for Tevin Coleman. Now, one other player I want to call out here, Zonovan Knight with an average projection of 8.2 points. Michael Carter was at 8.1, but that's another backfield where given injury, you could expect an increased role. So he's another guy that I think people should be thinking about. Oh yeah, man. I mean, I like him. I'll, I'll roll the dice on night. I mean, every day and all night versus, you know, trying to trot the corpses of Latavius Murray and Tevin Coleman out there (laughs) this week. I mean, that last three weeks, the Vikings, we were talking about them as a potential uh, defensive target, you know, streaming Mike White earlier in the episode. And I mean, Devin Singletary, 17.7 points a couple weeks ago. I think that was the game where uh, Josh Allen, um, it was the first game that he had kind of the UCL issue going on. And, you know, he wasn't running the ball as much. Tony Pollard's explosion game for nearly 37 PPR two weeks ago came against the Vikings. And then last week, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, putting up a nice uh, game against them. I mean, the Vikings are allowing an average of six receptions to opposing running backs over the past five weeks, which is seventh most over that stretch. And in the last each of the last two weeks, they've allowed nine receptions uh, to the position. So that's pretty interesting to me. Um, you know, given given Knight's skill set, yeah. I mean, I I'm really curious to see Dave if our bid uh, and our main event is going to be high enough. <laughs> I'm certainly hoping that it is because um, I think that could be a pretty big difference maker for us potentially. That is my piece though on running backs. There's a couple of interesting wide receivers that I want to get to this week. I'm going to up our bid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you home, man. I'm going to up our bid by another like hundred bucks. Yeah. All right. So Josh Palmer. Now, naturally, it is fair to say that some of his stats as of late have been boosted by the fact that you've had Keenan Allen missing games or not being, uh, you know, as healthy as you would like. Same for Mike Williams. Nonetheless, he actually finishes inside the top 15 in wide receiver GLSP this week based on average. His 
50 closest matches produced an average stat line of 9.2 targets, six receptions, 71 yards, and 40% of them found the end zone. This gives him a very nice distribution where he actually has 28% of it going above 20 points. As a result, uh, it's looking like he is a player that you're going to want to keep in your lineups. And when I looked at players this week that were expected based upon 50th percentile projections to significantly outperform their seasonal average, uh, he was one of the highest players that came out of that exercise. The other players that the GLSP identified as players likely to have better than average performances are the New England Patriots wide receivers and tight ends. As a result of that, it gets Devontae Parker into flex consideration, creates a very rosy picture for Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Henry. Uh, now, this is the Thursday night game, so you're going to want to make sure that if you're going to make any moves based upon what we're talking about here, that you go ahead and do so uh, after you finish listening to this. Aguilar, average stat line, 5.8 targets, four receptions, 55 yards, in 40% of his matches found the end zone. Gives him an average projection of 11.8 points, 75th percentile of 15.7 New England is facing the Bills on Thursday night football, and we have seen the Bills let up some pretty significant wide receiver performances as of late, uh, which is likely why we're seeing some love for the Patriots wide receivers. Now, it looks like Curtis might be ready to speak either that or he's just pondering what to do with this bid. No, man, I was just going to tell you, I, I, I upped it to five. Uh, 29 <laughs> 529 wow well we could well we can only bit we could, we only get this week and next week man i know so I know. so you know we are we are i mean we're on top of it man we've we've had our playoff defense that we wanted we we rostered them two weeks ago um we're adding our second kicker i mean i, I don't know i mean it, you can't take it with you and we we know now that the jets offense is changing and, you know, he has, you know, he has shown single game upside in that offense that we haven't seen since Brees Hall went down. Yep. And if the Jet, the, I mean, the Jets are very much in contention still. They're playing to win. They're playing for this year. He had three receptions for 34 yards. If we get Tony Pollard light, I mean, maybe there's only a 10% chance of him actually being that the rest of the year. But if there's any chance that he's Tony Pollard light, you know, he could factor into the main event playoffs. And I will hurt myself <laughs> if, if we if we don't go big so yeah, yeah. We're, we're throwing we're throwing 85 percent of what we got left All on right. him. very nice very nice uh wide receivers that i want to call out uh, as we continue down christian watson getting his highest glsp of the season coming in ahead of alan lazard this week and it's picking up on efficiency as a touchdown scorer his average stat line, Curtis, 4.7 targets, 3.2 receptions, 61 yards, but 70% of his matches found the end zone against defenses like Chicago's. 33% um, of his distribution going between 10 to 15. You still have at uh, the 20 to 25 bucket, 12% gives him a 75th percentile projection of 18.3. 
25th percentile of 8.6. We've seen some exciting stuff from Watson, and it looks like it's going to continue. Um, one of the other players that you might be interested in is Paris Campbell. Now, Campbell's average stat line puts him certainly into flex consideration. Indianapolis is facing the Cowboys, as we mentioned when we talk about Matt Ryan. You have Paris Campbell expected to see about five targets, 50, or excuse me, seven targets, five receptions, 56 yards, and 40% of his matches found the end zone. He has a 75th percentile projection of 17.5, average projection of 10.7. So of players that are kind of in that Paris Campbell range, he has one of the um has more upside than some of those players. Now, George Pickens comes in very close behind him. The GLSP has not been a big fan of him or Deontay Johnson in recent weeks. Um, but we do see an average projection for George Pickens of 12.9 against Atlanta, whereas Deontay Johnson comes in with just 9.8 and a very capped um, ceiling for Deontay Johnson as less than 15% of his matches scored more than 15 points. If you contrast that with Pickens, Pickens has um, over 25% going for more than 15. So of the Steelers options, Pickens looks like the better one. Yeah, it's it's hard to feel good about uh, starting Deontay, even though he continues to get all of the volume, man. I, I was watching that game you know, against the Colts, just so frustrating. I mean, he, he dropped a near touchdown. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, I mean, if any wide receiver in the NFL is due, it's Deontay. So, yeah. so it's like, you know, I, yeah, spots, there's still a couple of bye weeks left. Um, I could see, you know, starting him if, if there's buys, but yeah, I mean, Pickens seems to be the favorite. He had that nice two point conversion. Um, you know, he is the player that uh, Pickett's looking for down in the short area if it's not Firemuth. Yep. Um, we have a couple of Detroit Lions wide receivers scoring higher than you might expect. Now, I'm not exactly sure if I'm thinking about this outside of the GLSP, which one of these wide receivers I would be most likely to recommend, but. If you are in dire straits, I think that you could make a case for really any wide receiver on the Lions as a guy that you use to fill in. Uh, DJ Chark actually has a fairly nice GLSP this week in the highest of the Lions receivers other than St. Brown. Continuing along... Nico Collins probably merits a mention here. Average projection of 10.3 points. Um, 75th percentile projection of just 12.1. But certainly that gets him into a range uh, where he could be considered a flex option for some teams. Similar to Zay Jones, um, who actually has an average GLSP this week at 10. Now... If we talk about some players that are scoring a little bit less than you might like, Debo Samuel this week at 10.4. Um, I suppose that's not as bad as some of the other names. Again, we see the GLSP not a big fan of Michael Pittman, like it seems. 
to like to do. Um, Cortland Sutton coming in pretty low at just 8.3. Granted, at this point in the season with what we've seen from the Denver offense, uh, you know, you're not expecting a great deal in comparison to what you were hoping you would see at the beginning of the season, much like what we've seen with Deontay Johnson. But Traylon Burks only uh, puts up a 7.7 average stat line. Now, of course, you have some of his earlier games from the season pulling things down for him, expected to see 5.7 targets, 3.4 receptions, and 42 yards. Very ugly distribution. You have 28% of his matches going under five points and 47% going between five to 10. Regardless, though, of what the GLSP is pulling out for us this week uh, with his outlook against the Eagles, I think I'm probably going to fade that and keep him in lineups. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Yep. Other names that we need to get to here. Um, Brandon Cooks, an average of just 7.6 points. Kendrick, yeah, you can't play, you can't play can't, Cooks. Can't play Cooks. Kendrick Bourne, though, um, actually has a pretty weak GLSP among Patriots wide receivers. Probably worth mentioning that. And Mike Evans, dude, an average GLSP of just 6.9, uh, which is pretty low. And it's especially interesting because the GLSP really liked Chris Godwin this week. So, um, I was, I was pretty surprised to see that it almost makes you, you know, I I have seen a couple articles recently just talking about, uh, Mike Evans and Tom Brady and some of the struggles there beyond that though. I don't have anything else. I think we need to call out. No, I mean, I, we didn't mention him during the quarterback, uh, situation, but you know, another player that you got to check for probably not available, but Maybe is just Deshaun Watson. He is going to make his return this week. Oh yes, that of course. Um, and you know, we aren't able to generate a GLSP for him given the time off. I didn't think it made sense to even try to uh, backdoor I mean, into I, it using I, old games. Yeah, I mean, in context, we've we have recommended Brissett a couple times um, this season successfully, and I mean, obviously, you would expect that if Watson comes back and isn't rusty, you know, he's going to offer far more upside than, than even Brissett has. Uh, and he's had uh, a handful of 20 point games. So uh, like that, it is a re- uh, hashtag revenge game narrative as well against the Texans. So, you know, that should be pretty interesting. All eyes will be on that matchup. Also, just to go back to Mike Evans here, cause I, I had to look this up <laughs> while we're talking about it. Dude, yeah. Mike Evans uh, against the Rams, just nine points, Seattle, just 10.4 against Cleveland, just 5.1. against Pittsburgh, 9.1 against New Orleans. More often than not this year, he's going under 10 points. He's still clinging on to a ranking of wide receiver 22 in terms of points per game. Expected points per game at 17 among wide receivers, but inefficient at just 137 in fantasy points over expectation per game. You know it's ugly, for a player recently when in my mind, I actually said, you know what? I don't recall seeing any Evans highlights, any mention of Evans. I've got to go and look this up and make sure he was actually on the field. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think he was. Yeah. Like, no, he was. was. I think it was a he was. game. Yeah. 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 He put up 5.1, uh, yeah. 5.1 fantasy points, nine targets though. Just two receptions, Curtis for 31 yards. 
Mike Evans has not found the end zone since week four. Um, all right. Wow. That's yeah, my, that's been his calling card. That's been his calling card forever. So, yep. All right. Yeah. That's my diatribe on, um, Mike Evans there. As far as tight ends go, the first name that's going to pop out when you look at the list this week is Jawan Johnson finishing inside the top six. His 75th percentile projection of 13.8 is the best of the guys that are not in that Travis Kelsey Kittle type of tier. David Njoku would project well. Uh, I believe, though, he's dealing with a knee issue. Is that right, Curtis? I don't know if it's specifically a knee, but yeah, his uh, his injury riddled season continues. Okay, so that unfortunately, um, you know, is not a GLSP you you'll be able to take use of. Um, Evan Ingram scores highly this week. Other than that, Tyler Conklin, um, probably the only other name that really stands out. Um, as we've mentioned now for a couple of weeks, the tight end. Um, the tight ends get pretty sandwiched because they're all just scoring so low. Gerald Everett comes in behind a number of other uh, tight ends with an average GLSP of just 6.2. You also have Pat Fryer move a little bit lower than you might like to see. Yeah, it, it's um, I was checking out uh, the Google machine here on Njoku and uh, the beats are saying this is a, actually not the same knee injuries that he missed practice time with last week. It's a new knee injury. Uh, He's not ruled out for the game yet, but you know, obviously something to monitor. Sure. All right. Well, let's just take a quick look though, because if Njoku does play, uh, he is expected against the Texans to record seven targets, five receptions, 57 yards, and just 20% of his matches found the end zone uh, nonetheless, though, his average of 11.8 is the third highest among tight ends this week and a 75th percentile projection of 15.9 is the third highest. Um, you only have him being outpaced by Travis Kelsey's 24.6 and George Kittle's 18.6. You think we're going to win that bid, Curtis? I think so, man. I think I think we are. Um, there there. You know, of course, only four teams can make a bid the way the FFPC uh, playoffs are working for the the, the main event and the uh, football players championship. Um, only four teams can make a bid. There is one of our opponents does have more fab than us. And so that is the reason for the aggressive bid. If we were the big stack, we would simply just bid, you know, we would bid one dollar over, you know, whatever any of our opponents had. But right. We got to come hot to have any chance. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll report back on that uh, in Ugh. our yeah. passing game breakdown <laughs> that we do um, on Thursday nights that comes out on Friday mornings. Until then, uh, have a good Thursday. <laughs> really struggling here. <laughs> All right. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.